The leading killer of women and men in Western civilization is coronary artery heart disease. And if the truth be known, this is really nothing more than a toothless paper tiger that need never ever exist. And if it does exist, it need never ever progress. This is a benign foodborne illness. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate you giving me your time as I'm about to give you a sweet, sweet episode. For anyone out there who is curious how to support what I do, it's very, very simple. One, if you can give me a positive review on Apple Podcasts, I would greatly appreciate that. Two, if you can go to Bananiac.com, check out all the sponsors, support them because they help support this podcast, which helps me connect with more awesome guests, thus helping spread the plant-based and vegan message. And I made it very simple for you guys to support this channel without having to pay a single cent more because if you're like most people out there who use Amazon.com, you can now click the banner on my website to go to Amazon.com, buy whatever you want at no extra price, and Amazon will still help support this podcast. How awesome is that? Also, one of my greatest partners, FitBod, they have probably the best fitness app out there. If you're looking to build muscle, get toned, get fit in the gym, FitBod is for you. The app helps you customize workouts, track your progress over time, track your fatigue over time, which is very important. It'll actually tell you which muscles are tired and which muscles you should work out. It's definitely helped me stay more accountable and just be more consistent in the gym, have something to look forward to and actually stay focused. I used to just go to the gym and mess around on my phone and that's pretty much all I did. I spent more time on my phone than actually working out. And FitBod, yes, I am on my phone, but it does help me stay focused on my workouts because it has a rest timer. So it's telling me rest for 30 seconds, rest a minute, and then it'll notify me, hey, you got to go and lift again, buddy. So it's a great app, highly recommend it to anybody who's looking to get super duper fit. And if you're looking for a great discount, just head to www.fitbod.me slash bananiac and you will get 15% off. How awesome is that? So yeah, that's my little spiel. If you guys want to support this podcast, give me an awesome rating on Apple Podcasts and check out my website, bananiac.com. Today's episode is an oldie. It's with the great Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn, the man, the myth, the legend, the author of Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease. That's right, you heard it. The number one killer in America, in the world. And how he did it? Well, he did it through a 100% plant-based diet. And that's what I'm talking about with him today. I remember this day so clearly, the day that I Skyped Dr. Esselstyn, because I literally had an exam the next day. And instead of staying up to study for an exam that I would have to mark down that animal products are good for you, no, I actually stayed up late Skyping with this awesome man to talk about the real cure to heart disease. <laughs> I have freaking goosebumps on me right now just talking about it. It was a great conversation. We talked about a lot of great things, learned a lot from him, and I hope I do the same for you guys. So please enjoy this episode. 
And without further ado, here's Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn. Hello folks, Benaniac here. And today I have a very special guest. He is the author of Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease, the number one killer in our nation, Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn. Thank you for joining us tonight. My pleasure. So um, can you kind of go into the work that you have done uh, with the treatment of heart disease and, and what you have found to, to be the solution? Sure. I, first of all, my thanks for this opportunity to, to share some of our research and the clinical strategy uh, with your uh, Skype team. Um, the leading killer of women and men in Western civilization is coronary artery heart disease. And if the truth be known, this is really nothing more than a toothless paper tiger that need never ever exist. And if it does exist, it need never ever progress. This is a benign foodborne illness. And I say that because if we look, for instance, at some of the cultures on the planet today, like uh, the rural Chinese, uh, the Papua Highlanders, the Central Africa, or the Tarahumara Indians in northern Mexico. Uh, cardiovascular disease is virtually non-existent in these cultures. Why? Because by heritage and tradition, they consume a plant-based type of nutrition. And uh, this is really sort of the, the guidepost of so much of the, the research that we were involved in. Uh, with the first, our first small study in 1985, when I was initiated, it started with patients who were absolutely ravaged with heart disease. And we asked them to, in essence, stop, uh, the foods that were injuring the lining of their artery, uh, every time that passed their lips. I mean, I think all experts in this disease would agree that where this disease has its inception, is when we progressively destroy that life jacket and guardian of our blood vessels, which is that single layer uh, of cells that lines the <clears throat> innermost part of our artery, the endothelium. And the endothelial cells manufacture this wonderful magic molecule of gas, nitric oxide, that has a number of marvelous properties that uh, protect our blood vessels. It keeps all those cellular elements in the bloodstream from getting sticky. It also is the strongest vasodilator in the body. When you climb stairs, the arteries to your heart dilate. The arteries to your legs dilate nitric oxide. Number three, nitric oxide will prevent the arteries from becoming inflamed, stiff, and thickened. Prevents hypertension, high blood pressure. Number four, a plentiful normal amount of nitric oxide will prevent you from ever developing blockages or plaque. So it's pretty key. And uh, now over the years, various investigators have identified what are the foods that every time they pass our lips, we injure the endothelium, we make it dysfunctional. So constantly, our levels of nitric oxide throughout our lives are getting lower and lower and lower. As a matter of fact, we know that when you autopsy the GIs, for instance, who died in Korea from uh, battle wounds, 80% uh, of those GIs who are average age 20 already have gross evidence of coronary artery disease. Not enough for their cardiac events yet, but there the disease is already established. And when that study is repeated, uh, 
45 years later in 1999, this time looking at young women and men who have died of accidents and homicides and suicides between the ages of 17 and 34. Now the disease is ubiquitous. You graduate from high school in this country, you not only get a diploma, you get the foundation for heart disease. And it's no surprise that as you continue to eat the same way through the 20s, 30s, and 40s, now we begin to see these actual cardiac events, which are sort of the end, sta end stage of a disease that has been going on since childhood. There's no doubt that it's diet-related, but it can also be treated. Look, since the days of Hippocrates, where the caregiver and the patient have done the best of all is when the caregiver is willing to share with the patient what is the causation of the disease, causation of the illness. Today, that's not being done in cardiology. What we do is the cardiologists, and although I embrace their caring, their compassion, and their fund of knowledge, None of the drugs that they're using, none of the procedures such as stents and bypass they're using, have one single solitary thing to do with the causation of that disease. It is stopgap, patch job, symptomatic care. And that's why these patients often simply cannot be cured. But what does happen when you treat the cause of the disease, when you ask them to stop eating those foods, it is absolutely sometimes nothing short of miraculous uh, when you see what happens. So, yeah, that, that's exactly what I want to go into next, Dr. Esselstyn, is what are your thoughts on this conventional treatment and management of the disease, such as, you know, the DASH diet, limiting sodium or using statins? You know, that's that's what we're being taught in dietetic school. And, you know, they haven't mentioned anything about plant-based diets. What are your thoughts on, on these conventional methods? Well, uh, I think that where all these dictums uh, finally have an opportunity to settle out is when everybody becomes familiar with the outcomes. Now, what I would encourage the, the faculty at medical school, uh, which is really right now quite tragic because med at medical school, physicians really learn nothing about nutrition. And they learn nothing about behavioral modification. And I doubt that it's too much different in dietetic school. But I, uh, I have great, I guess I'm an optimist. And I have great hope that those things will change. I think if the faculty at dietetic school becomes familiar with the fact that, I mean, there's no question. The DASH diet is better than the traditional horrible Western diet. Uh, just like the Mediterranean diet might be the second best diet. But in other words, you can still produce coronary artery disease with a Mediterranean diet. I mean, if you were to <clears throat> look at the outcomes of studies where they've taken patients with heart disease, comparing the, the American, typical American diet and the Mediterranean diet, no question, the Mediterranean diet does better. But still, I'm thinking of the, uh, the classic one by DeLogaro uh, that was published in the early 21st century. Uh, and... When they followed those patients who were on the Mediterranean diet at the end of four years, 25% either were dead from heart disease or had another, another significant cardiac event. I don't consider that a triumph or any kind of uh, cure. But uh, we have found in our original research with a small group of patients that it was really quite stunning and exciting to find that all those who were compliant, not only did they arrest their disease, 
but they began to reverse their disease, which was practically unheard of. Reverse their disease on the angiogram. You can see the artery, the coronary arteries. We've shown, since seen it happen in the carotid artery. We've seen it happen in the legs. It is so, it is so powerful and so dramatic that any caregiver who has experienced how their patients have blossomed with this would never go to the diets that you described that you're being taught in school, which do what? Which continue to destroy and injure the endothelial cells. So you cannot get a cure for that. It's outcomes that are going to determine that. And I'm, and I'm going to share with you tonight our most recent study of some 200 patients, which will be published in about uh, 55 days. Uh, I think it's coming out in the May issue of the Journal of Family Practice. We took 200 patients who were ravaged with coronary artery heart disease. Now, everybody has said that one of the problems you're going to have is getting compliance. Well, uh, we found that it is absolutely a mistaken belief to think that these patients will not comply. For example, our technique revealed in these 200 patients that we had a compliance of close to four years of uh, 89.3%, which is almost 90%, which is extremely exciting. Now, how did those nine, how did those 90% do over that period? 99.4% of those 90% who were adherent had no further cardiac events, that is, death, stroke, or heart attack. And uh, it's, it's really quite striking when you compare that with any of the well-known studies using the usual approach. About 20 to 25% recurrence. There's a, literally, this is about a 40-fold difference in success. And it really makes me... Uh, hope that both dietitians, schools, and especially my profession itself, uh, really has to have a rethink because present cardiology, the leading killer of, this, of Western civilization, which doesn't even exist in many areas of this planet where they do not, where they eat only plant-based nutrition. It's uh, really quite uh, powerful to know that our cardiology budget in this country is 45% of Medicare. And sadly, what is cardiology today? It is your first stent, your second stent, your third, fourth, or fifth stent. Then maybe it's time for a bypass. Then you have to have stents to keep the bypass open. Then the patient finally develops congestive heart failure and they die. Die of what? A completely benign foodborne illness that never had its causation treated. And uh, I think that Present cardiology is going to recognize that their present techniques can't cure patients. Their present techniques will never end the epidemic. Their present techniques are financially unsustainable, even in the wealthiest country on the planet. And as I said earlier, I think it's an absolutely mistaken belief to think that patients will not make this type of lifestyle change. We've proved that. And, and uh, it's not that the message is wrong. It's really how the message is articulated. And I should share with you that I think the reason that we have this degree of compliance is that we show the patient's respect. Now, how do you show a patient respect? You give them your time. So that when we do our counseling session, it is one single intensive five and a half hour session where these patients are going to learn all about 
what it is that they did that created the disease, and precisely how it is that they can be empowered to literally not only vanquish the disease, but begin to reverse it. And uh, the other thing that we found that I think is so important in getting them to adhere is about 10 days before we have one of our sessions, and we do this with no more than usually 10 or 12 patients at a time, uh, with their spouse or partner, significant other who comes for free. And every one of those patients and their phone number I receive 10 days before they come so that I have an opportunity to call every one of these patients because I have to get my arms around their story. And at the same time, they have an opportunity to ask questions of me so that we have a strong platform as they come into this intensive counseling seminar. And they, uh, they also get a very hefty notebook at the seminar that has a copy of every one of my PowerPoint slides, several of our scientific articles, a 44-page handout that has many additional recipes, which combined with the 160, which are in our book, which we include. And then there's a, a marvelous hour and a quarter presentation from a woman who's had 30 years experience acquiring and preparing plant-based foods, dealing with reading ingredients, dealing with travel, dealing with restaurants. And then we give everybody a DVD of the entire counseling seminar so that when they go home, if they get rusty or on some area, they can flip this back on and get themselves back up to speed. And we always have someone who is a local or regional representative share their story of success so that those who are uh, in attendance can say to themselves, listen, if she or she can do this, I can do this. Then we have an opportunity to answer questions, a delightful plant-based luncheon, and then stay in touch as necessary, either through email or phone call. But uh, I think it may be a little bit unfair of me to ask our cardiology colleagues to shoulder the burden of this lifestyle transition. They have very busy schedules. Uh, they don't may not have the passion for this. They certainly don't have any training in nutrition or in behavioral modification. But those of us in lifestyle medicine welcome the opportunity to work synergistically in the spirit of cooperative endeavor with our cardiovascular colleagues to help their patients be empowered to make this transition. And I'm, uh, I've been into this long enough and deeper enough now that I feel it is absolutely unconscionable not to mention this option to patients. Yeah, I agree. And I'll, your program is so great. You know, I was going to say, you know, how can play, how can patients not comply? You know, not only their heart disease, you know, situation gets better but their their weight starts to get better diabetes there's so many benefits out there that you know how can you avoid it so um when i was re reading preventing and reversing heart disease i didn't notice uh, a slight recommendation with nuts seeds and avocados which most people would note those as healthy foods but you seem to say otherwise for heart disease patients well uh, i have a confession <laughs> I, I'm afraid I have a reputation as a bit of a taskmaster, although I'm not really as mean as I look. And <laughs> because I guess I'm still competitive and I want my patients to succeed, to blossom. And uh, for patients who have cardiovascular illness, if I ever were to say that they could have nuts and seeds 
and uh, and avocado. That's so much additional fat of the kind that I don't want to have. For instance, it's not at all infrequent that I end up treating vegans for heart disease. Vegans eat oil. Vegans eat French fries. Vegans eat glazed donuts. And uh, all those things are going to rip the endothelial cells to shreds. So when I have somebody who has heart disease, no nuts. I mean, how many people would eat one nut? How <laughs> yeah, many not not very one? many. If I ever if I ever said nuts are okay, there'll be nuts in the glove compartment. There'll be nuts in the bathroom. There'll be nuts in the workbench. There'll be nuts in the kitchen, the dining room, the bedroom, and there'll be in every type of food that is presented. We'll have ground up cashews. Don't need that. I just don't need all that extra saturated fat. And uh, I mean, you add up the, the nuts and seeds. I have no problem if you've got a few, you get a, a bun that you're going to have a portobello sandwich on and it's got a few sesame seeds in the crust. That's that's not a problem. And I encourage patients if they want to have ground up flaxseed meal, a tablespoon on their cereal for their omega-3 or chia seeds. I allow that certainly uh, uh Spoonful on their uh, on their cereal as well for omega three, but uh, I'm pretty adamant about oil because there is study after study after study after study that clearly shows that oil uh, is uh, problematic and injures the endothelial cells. I've had several patients where they came in and they were very sophisticated. They were eating beautifully. The food, none of the foods was a problem except one thing. They were just putting, they had somehow the mistaken belief that olive oil was so important. They were pouring it on their salads. They were <clears throat> preparing their food with it at lunch. They did the same thing again at supper. I had one patient really was worrying about having to have a second bypass because he couldn't get rid of his chest pain. I couldn't find anything else to change. And finally, I found out about his oil. Stop the oil. And immediately, within seven weeks, all of his chest pain had disappeared. It was the only thing that we could stop. It was, it was really a powerful uh, demonstration of, of the downside of oil. Because oil has got <clears throat> a minuscule bit of, of vitamin, but no mineral, no fiber. It's all fat and largely monounsaturated and saturated, both of which will injure the endothelial cell. Right. Yeah, I come from a, a Greek family, which in the Mediterranean, they love drizzling their oils. Greece is loaded with heart disease. Yeah. And that's a Mediterranean thing. Yeah. So yeah. no oil then. Yeah, you got it. Absolutely. Um, so how about with patients that have heart disease? Can we recommend exercise to them? Uh, is exercise yeah. safe on For sure. Exercise, yeah, it has to be sensible. You're not going to go out and run up a mountain there and try to set any records with your bicycle. But no, I think sensible walking, sensible biking, sensible swimming under a physician's surveillance is, is, is a bonus. It's great. Yeah. Um, and what do you think about raw fruit and vegetable diets? Um, meaning, you know, no cooked food in the diet for treatment of heart disease? Um, the problem with that is, again, it's so, it's so confusing out there right now because there are so many books that have been written, written that are very confusing. You have books that 
<clears throat> like the zone diet. You have the, the Atkins diet. You have the South Beach diet. You have grain brain. You have wheat belly. You have paleo. And, uh, many of them sort of come and they go and they get, and some of them are actually very tragic. But what is common to all of those that I've just mentioned, there is not one single scrap of hard science by the author that proves their point. But as long as you write things that are, well, that tell people good things about their bad habits, they'll, you've got to bestseller. But, uh, I think what you want to do is you want to try to look at the authors and see, for instance, both Dr. Dean Ornish, whom I admire, and uh, yours truly, before we ever wrote our books, we did the research. And uh, that makes it kind of uh, exciting because when you, especially when you also had your work confirmed in the, the peer-reviewed literature, that, that really is what we call accountability. Yeah, because I've heard you mention. Now, let me mention for, uh, before I forget about sure. the. You mentioned the raw diet. The raw diet is out there, but where is the data? Yeah, where is the peer-reviewed literature that says by eating raw, you are arrested the heart disease? I don't mean to say that some of these things are not okay to eat raw, but I find it very hard to eat a raw potato. I find it very hard to eat raw wheat or grain or rye or barley or buckwheat or corn, eat it raw. Uh, so were you, those are high caloric density foods. And that's traditionally where civilization gets their energy. Much as I am, am devoted to and admire green leafy vegetables and beans, that, that is not your energy source. Even the Tarahumara Indians who eat the three sisters, beans, squash, and then what's their energy? Corn. Now, <clears throat> where does the raw diet get its energy? They get it from nuts. So it's what you end up with with a high-fat diet, and I'm very skeptical that that is ever going to be able to reverse heart disease. Another thing that has been getting really popular with Dr. Esselstyn is this paleo movement and of them defending cholesterol <laughs> and saturated fat, telling you, that you can reverse heart disease on this. Uh, what is your experience with with working with the studies and studying heart disease? Um, is you know what do you have to say about the so called cholesterol myth? Well, yeah, yeah, paleo again is another uh, another myth, uh, and you've got to always go back to outcomes and research. And there is no outcomes in research when that to prove that man and evolution, you know, millions of years ago uh, might have tried to sustain themselves with some meat in addition to their uh, vegetation that they were eating uh, hardly proves the point because I'm not sure many of us would want to live to a maximum age of 28 or 29, which is what we had back then. And uh, the other uh, problem besides the fact that paleo has absolutely no research, if they want us to eat, I mean, just imagine the idea of putting all this dead flesh in your system. It's no wonder that with almost all the diseases that we see that are common chronic killing diseases are made worse when you put dead flesh in your stomach, whether it's heart disease, whether it's stroke, obesity, diabetes, hypertension, cancers, 
or, or the autoimmune diseases and so forth. But there's been some very interesting research in the last two years that has come from Stanley Hazen and his team from the Cleveland Clinic, where they looked at intestinal bacteria, intestinal flora, which all of us have trillions. And it's increasingly a very fascinating area of research that is going to be important in our immune system, important for protection against heart disease, important for protection against cancer. But they were looking particularly at uh, at heart disease. And they found that in patients who are omnivores, participants who are eating dairy products, who are, are eating lamb, beef, pork, shellfish, fish, all the animal products, omnivores, their bacteria, when they metabolize these foods, make a product called TMA, trimethylamine. And trimethylamine is rapidly oxidized by our liver to trimethylamine oxide. And trimethylamine oxide is the molecule that can create aggressive vascular disease. On the other hand, they also found out that, if, for instance, if they give a piece of lamb chop uh, to somebody who is totally plant-based, they don't make TMAO. Why? Because they do not contain the intestinal flora that can do that. It was interesting when this research came out. It was interesting to read an article in the New York Times that when the vice president of the Paleo Association was informed of this research, her response was, Yipes! <laughs> yeah, wow. That's interesting, Dr. Nusselson. Such a validation. Yeah of the plant-based approach. Absolutely. Wow. Um, so what can you recommend to young young people growing up, you know, people that have the mindset of, you know, I'm, I'm young, I don't have to worry about heart disease and, you know, in the future. Uh, what would you have to say to people in, in the youth um, to I, inspire I, them? I think that they have to recognize that we, that with their help, we are on the absolute cusp, the cusp of what could be a seismic revolution in health in this country. Because right now, all the health care dollars are just being squandered and pulled in greater and greater amounts every year into this whole health care arena. This country is literally going broke because all of our money is going into this health care arena. For many of these common chronic killing diseases, which are just absolutely draining the coffers of money that should be spent on education, on the grid, on restoring <laughs> all so much of our infrastructure, and uh, the way to stop this will never be from the invention of another pill or a tablet or a drug. It'll never be by building another cardiac cathedral. It'll never come from another uh, pill, as I said, or a procedure such as stents or bypass surgery. The seismic revolution will come when we in the healing profession have the will and the grit and the determination to share with the public the education and the nutritional literacy that will allow, empower, allow and empower them as the locus of control to halt and reverse really keep from ever getting these common chronic killing diseases, about 75 to 80% of them, 
can be vanquished. And I think that if young people like yourselves, or whether it's in dietetics, uh, whether it's in medicine, uh, have really had a mar marvelous opportunity and an obligation to observe what we know and is established as to why these diseases need never occur. They are lifestyle diseases, and the key ingredient is nutritional literacy. And I do have to ask you, Dr. Esselstyn, what, what is your opinion and thoughts of why they're not telling people about this plant-based diet and the benefits? Why are they not recommending it to everyone? Uh, what is your opinion on that? Well, first of all, I think uh, there are a number of factors, obviously. For one is that it, it's been estimated that it takes about 17 years for new information uh, that is profound to, to get into the uh, clinical arena. I think now, though, with the Internet and other things, that this ought to happen more rapidly. I think that as we uh, have outcomes that are so powerful, uh, it's going to be very, very hard for clinicians not to deploy this. Now, there's a the problem, though. Clinicians like to be compensated for their time spent with patients. Right now, insurance carriers are not paying physicians for the time spent doing this. And so it's much more rewarding for physicians to hand out pills and to do procedures, uh, whether it's stents or bypasses. And it's uh, obviously that, that's a, that also is a factor, compensation. But... Beyond that, I mean, I know enough young cardiologists and some more senior ones who all they have to do is see this happen once and they are suddenly realizing that this is an absolute uh, seismic breakthrough to think that this disease, which they have felt, they blame it on genes, they blame it on <clears throat> uh, your... <laughs> age or the luck of the draw, when they really realize and understand the mechanisms of how this disease is created and how easy it is to change it. But, you've, but you're talking now about behavioral modification and you're talking about nutrition. And many, most of the doctors have no knowledge in that arena. So uh, they have either got to school themselves to obtain this knowledge or They've got to relinquish the patient, send it to somebody else who does have the uh, uh, the skill set to help these patients. And what we've been doing for the last five years is we have freely uh, asked physicians and nurse practitioners who were inquisitive about our uh, program to come as our guest. And I'm delighted to say that those people, have, many of them now have the skill set and have gone out in other areas of the country to uh, replicate what we're trying to do. Great. Well, that's all I have for you, uh, Dr. Esselstyn. Um, what is your website so people can connect with you and find out more about your research? Well, the, the, the movie that I was in with uh, T. Colin Campbell, my good friend who wrote the wonderful book, The China Study, uh, the movie we were in was called Forks Over Knives, and that uh, sends a pretty powerful message. Uh, I also wrote a book called Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease, which 
embraces a lot of what we do. Um, if you go to the website, which is heartattackproof.com, you will see a number of uh, uh, my uh, scientific articles that we've written about this and, and about our approach. There's also a, a full DVD there that's several hours that has to do with our intensive counseling seminar, which perhaps will be of help. And uh, I guess uh, they're always welcome if they <laughs> really want to do this. Uh, they can always come to Cleveland. <laughs> Absolutely. And hopefully people won't have to visit you through ways like that, but you also have Forks Over Knives events that people can, can go to as well. Well, actually, those are uh, uh, Engine 2 events. That's my my son, Rip, who wrote a book called The Engine 2. He has usually four or five of these uh, uh, immersions for people who are interested uh, throughout the uh, country every year. And it's very exciting. They have a, a, very, a very gifted faculty that will take uh, – persons who have become aware of, of this movement through the internet and they can uh, they can attend and uh, and learn a lot about what I'm trying to share this evening with you. Yeah, and I actually went to Plant Stock last year which was a lot of fun so I recommend anyone watching this to to visit sometime but uh, Dr. Esselson, thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview with me. Thank you. Well, good luck to the Bananiac. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of This Is Bananas. To learn more about this episode, check out the show notes over at Bananiac.com. That's B-A-N-A-N-I-A-C.com. If you're looking for easy and nutritious plant-based recipes to make at home, you can download my ebook, Bananiac Simple Vegan Recipes, from my website as well. It includes 25 of my favorite whole food plant-based recipes that I make and eat every day and will hopefully help you eat more whole plant-based meals as well. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please rate it wherever you're listening to it. Share this episode with someone who could benefit from it. Leave a comment with your thoughts and subscribe to This Is Bananas as well as my YouTube channel Bananiac, which you can find at youtube.com slash Bananiac. This helps me become more discoverable and ultimately reach more people with my work. If you'd like to donate, please visit patreon.com slash Bananiac. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast and supporting the one-man band that I am. Until next time, everyone, take care of yourself spread the word and we'll see you in the next episode. Peace.